Our scripture today comes to us out of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7. We begin in verse 54. Now, this is uh, towards the end of a, of a very uh, popular and vital story in Acts, and we're not going to read the entirety of that story for the sake of time this morning, but I encourage you to go back and read the entirety of Acts chapter 7 uh, when you leave here today. But we're going to start in uh, the 54th verse today, the words of Luke from the Acts of the Apostles. When they heard these things, they became enraged, and they ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, Stephen said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed to get together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city, began to stone him, and the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died, and Saul approved of their killing him. That day a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women. He committed them to prison. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds to you, O oh God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Last week we began a new worship series around uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, and it's a, it's a series called The Call, based on the study of the same name written by Reverend Adam Hamilton. And we're traveling uh, through uh, the different... Uh, periods of Paul's life and learn a little bit more about his life and his calling, his ministry. And so last week we took a look in the first week at, at Paul's uh, past, his background. We, we learned where Paul was born in Tarsus. We learned how he was raised um, a, a, as a very uh, wealthy and scholared young man. And then we learned who he had become. We looked through all the the potential puzzle pieces and, and how uh, those might have played a pivotal and vital role in helping him become the apostle, the teacher, the author, the missionary that he was. And then we also saw that in so many ways that, that, that our lives are like puzzles as well. And that God has a has a unique and, and special way of bringing those various pieces of the puzzle called our lives together. And God uses all of those various pieces of our past and knows just how they need to be crafted and pieced together in order for God 
to make something beautiful out of our lives. God's call on our lives then usually match God's middle name. You know what God's middle name is? God's middle name is surprise. <laughs> God's call on our lives is usually very surprising. And it is usually based on God's ability to see how all these various elements of our lives fit together for the good of those who love God. And so that God can use us for God's greatest glory in this world. So as we move on today, we catch the first glimpse of Paul. Well, he's not Paul yet, right? He was born as Saul of Tarsus. We catch the first glimpse of him in Acts chapter 7, and this is at the death of Stephen. Jesus uh, had ascended to heaven a couple of years earlier, and the, the fledgling movement of, of Christ's followers had, had exploded in and around Jerusalem. There were now thousands who believed in Jesus and who called themselves the, the followers of the way. There was no uh, church, right? There was no Christian title to it, right? They were followers of the way. And the way that was set forth by this man, Jesus. If you back up to Acts chapter 6, one of the leaders, a, a man named Stephen, uh, was arrested and he was placed on trial. Go back and read this when you get a chance. But when he gave his testimony at his trial, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, convicted him of blasphemy and condemned him to death. And uh, here is where Saul slash Paul comes in. Uh, and Paul was supposedly around 20 years old at this time. He had just got done with college, right? His scholarly Jewish training in Jerusalem. And uh, uh, he would seem far too young to be able uh, to, to give approval to a stoning. But, but that's precisely what happens here. The fact that, that the scripture says that they laid their coats at Saul's feet likely indicates that Paul was given great authority to act on behalf of the Jewish leaders to oversee this execution. I don't know what you were doing at 20 years old, but I know what I was doing. And I was not in any mindset to be leading an execution. I may have been the one being executed. Amen? <laughs> so what's Paul doing here? Why is he in this position? Other than his last week we learned about his personal ambition was really high. You ever heard the term rubbing shoulders with the high and mighty? This is exactly what Paul is doing here. He was already in cahoots with the high priest Caiaphas and trying to get in good with the people he needed in order to gain power and authority. We read in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 and 9, 1 and 2, that, that after Stephen's death, Paul just, just elevated his game. What was it that motivated Paul 
to volunteer for the job of approving Stephen's execution and then going house to house to arrest followers of the way. It, it, it may have been the same thing that caused him years later to write in Galatians chapter 1, verse 14, when he says, I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Early in his career, Paul was eager to impress the Jewish ruling council in Jerusalem and, and to make a name for himself, as you've heard me mention. In other words, th th this was Paul's personal ambition. I've said this word already once before, but, but what does it mean? It, this was Paul's personal ambition combined with his unwavering religious convictions that led him to the work of persecuting the fledgling Christian movement. So, so how many of you, or how many of you know someone even, who, who has struggles or who struggles with ambition? Do you know what this word means? Do you know what this motion means? Ambition is this. It's a strong desire to do or to achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. Okay, now that we know what it means, do you or do you know somebody who has ambition? I mean, I'll put my hand up, I do. I wouldn't be here if I didn't, amen? <laughs> Y'all wouldn't have put up with me this long if I didn't. There's nothing wrong with ambition, amen? In fact, you want ambition. We want to have that. You want to instill that in the younger generations. You want people to want to work hard, to want to do the things that they need to do to get a step up in life, to get to the next place where they need to go and to get ahead of the curve. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. That's exactly what we want. The problem comes when we, like Paul did, decide that we are going to get what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and that we want to achieve it and do it by any means necessary and available to us. Even when those means cause harm and are not in line with that of Christ. Some people are blinded by ambition and are willing at times to do horrible things in order to get ahead. Paul was convinced that, that followers of the way, regardless of how devout or, or gentle or how loving, the, 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 you know, in spite of the message of love and grace and peace, that they had to be stopped. It wasn't God that drove him to arrest the followers of the way and approve of their deaths and execution. Listen to this, folks. Agree or disagree? Blind ambition and unwavering religious conviction can be a dangerous combination. Are you with me? It's important for us this day to understand something. Ambition is great and it's good and we need it. 
but we must submit our personal ambition to God. It needs to be directed by God's glory, not our own. And for the most part, that's what Paul has seen to do the rest of his life. You know, we can avoid acts that are contrary to our faith, as Paul learned to do. And we can do that by, by holding our, our religious convictions with humility and never forgetting the greatest command ever given by God through Jesus Christ. You remember what those are? We talk about them all the time here. Loving the Lord our God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Why is it worded that way? Because we are all created in the image of God. Therefore, we are all called to love ourselves and one another in the same way that God loves us. With an unrelenting grace and agape. A love that knows no condition. help with that task, we, we, we can look at the scriptures, and particularly this morning, we look at Psalm 115. We look at Psalm 115, verse 1, it says this, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name we give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your righteous and your faithfulness. Not to us, O God, not to us, to your glory. Listen to Jesus' question in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says, For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? When we fail to surrender our ambition to God's purposes, sisters and brothers, when we live to seek our glory alone, when we are willing to do whatever it takes to get ahead despite the harm that it may cause, despite the hearts that it may break, despite the violence that it may sprout, despite, despite, despite all of this, when we do and act in this way, we are bound to fall. Ouch! <laughs> Amen? But if we succeed in surrendering our ambition to God's purposes, we will help others and ourselves find our path that leads to God-given life. That's exactly what Paul was about to do. And that is exactly what we are called to do this morning. You know, it might look a little bit differently from us than it did from Paul, amen? Any of you grateful that we're not called in the way that Paul was? I couldn't do that. I don't even want to pretend for a moment that I could do what Paul did. And guess what? That's okay. We are all called, gifted, and fruited differently. And that's because God needs every single one of us. If you are breathing today, and statistics prove that one out of one of you sitting in here is breathing today. If you are breathing here today, God can use you. 
because you matter to God. You are loved by God, and God will use you for God's purposes. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. God will never take away your ambitions, but God is going to use them if we allow God to use them in our lives. God will never take away what it is that God has called us to do, but God sure will use it if we allow it. The trick is to use them for God's will and not our own. This is the message of the gospel. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. I told you I would take you on a, a journey uh, uh, throughout this series with the trip that uh, my wife and I and several other pastors just went on with the journeys of Paul and uh, through the life of pictures. And uh, I'm not going to do a, a big old slideshow or anything like that in the midst of services, but I told you I would use some of the backgrounds of pictures that I personally took. And the background used this morning is an overlook of the region of Galatia, of ancient Galatia. We read a scripture this morning out of Galatians, and so this, uh, the background to uh, uh, the, the slides and to your uh, this morning is uh, from the top of a lookout that overlooks the ancient region of Galatia. And so uh, you can also see it through here. It's a little bit lighter, but you can see the mountainous hills in the background and then the town set below in the background as well. Beautiful region over there. Um, and, and just stepping foot in the areas where you know that scripture originated will change your outlook. So if you ever get a chance to go, I encourage you to do so. But I wanted to share with you some of these backgrounds that I'll be using. That way we can journey together um, through this call of Paul. God works through us and in us and despite us today. We are called, called to surrender to God's glory and God's grace call to surrender our ambition and use it not for our own but for the sake of God as we prepare to go forward this day what do you need how can the Holy Spirit work in and through and despite you today in every day of your life today we're going to sing our closing hymn of invitation living for Jesus the words will be on the screen in front and use this moment to use it however you see fit